Hi, this is Mark Phillips, and welcome to another episode of the Curious Mark podcast. Today's guest is Harbir Shahal. I would call a knife maker, but I've now learned the term. He's a bladesmith. He's out of Clarkdale, Arizona. And this is also a video. And so please look at the video uh, if you want. And the link is in the description of the podcast. All right, let's get to it. Hi, Harbir. Thanks for having me. Hi, Mark. Did you go to school? Is there a school for knife making? There is. Uh, that's becoming much more popular. Uh, uh, so I actually traveled the country and um, uh, took classes uh, with uh, master smiths. So there's oh. a society called the American Bladesmith Society, or ABS. And the highest level is a master smith rating. Uh, I think there might be 130 in the world or something like that. Uh, so it was December 2015. I went to Hillsboro, Oregon, just out of Portland, and uh, took a bladesmithing intensive class with Murray Carter. Murray's a Canadian-American who lived and studied in Japan for 18 years. Uh, he's a 17th generation Yoshimoto bladesmith, so I uh, spent six days with him and then follow-up three days. So a total of nine days. Uh, I've also been to Wyoming and Visalia to work with other bladesmiths. Is that kind of the idea? You go to school and then you intern or apprentice with someone? Is that the way to go? Well, that, that would be the way to go. Uh, unfortunately, uh, apprentices are, are very rare. It's, most bladesmiths don't have apprentices or apprentice programs. It's very hard to get one. Um, usually they like to work by themselves. Apprentices you know, have their own issues in terms of uh, commitment and things like that. So it's very hard to get an apprenticeship. Most of the time, you're just doing it and learning by doing. This is kind of a standard, uh, what's known as a Japanese chef knife or gyoto. This is about uh, 240 millimeters or 9.45 inches. Uh, this is kind of the standard knife that uh, chefs or professionals will use in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, it's efficient. It gives them a lot of working area. Um, and, of course, you can do the same kind of taper where you've got a fine tip and um, a thicker heel. Why do you call that? What, what was the term, a Japanese term? Uh, gyoto. And why do you call it gyoto instead of a chef's knife? Uh, it's the, the profile. Um, so that's a good question. So let me give you an example here. So this would be more of a excuse me, uh, standard kind of Western chef's knives. So you have... We call Western shapes uh, influenced by, by German, French, American knives, uh, where the tip is up a little bit more. And on uh, Japanese knives, you can see the tip is down a oh. little bit. Yeah. So it has to do with the rocking motions of, of, of how you cut, um, push or pull cuts. Uh, so everyone has their preferences and desires, and uh, so you know it may kind of both. Well, who'd ever think about when they buy a chef knife to even look at that or yeah, consider uh, where the tip is, if it's raised or not, and even how the bottom, the edge is curved. I guess there's like a German curve or a French curve. I mean, there's some are more curved than others on the bottom. And Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I mean, you can kind of see that, you know, this way, uh, right. what we call the, the belly or the profile. So this has a lot more belly and this has a flatter profile. Right. Yeah, who would ever? Uh, well, a lot of the a lot of my customers are are professional chefs, uh, home cooking enthusiasts, you know, foodies, uh, 
uh, knife enthusiasts, collectors. And so the handle, mm -hmm. the metal part that goes in the handle is called the, is that the tang? Yes, exactly. So, so you have different constructions. Uh, I'm glad you asked. So this is called the, the, the tang of the knife. Um, and this would be known as a, a hidden tang. So if you, if you had a, a handle, um, the tang would hide inside the, uh, the, the, you know, the wood or the handle and, and whatnot. Um, this is what's known as a full Tang construction, so uh, it's it's just it's just a preference in terms of how you build. For some guys, might like it for a little a little beefier. Like this, this is actually going to be a camp knife for an outdoor outdoorsman, uh, an outdoor person who wants to do kind of uh, all around stuff. So um, in this his case, a full tang construction is going to be ideal. Um, so. so this is my chef's knife that I have at home. Okay. And so that would be a full... This is a full tang construction. Yeah, right. And this is actually has a, an integral bolster. Um, what does that do? Uh, it's just a, a design. Um, this is actually, I'm trying to look. Is this a sabatier? No, mundia. Mundial. Mundial. Well, however you pronounce that. Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. yep. This is kind of a, uh, a Western shape, like a, probably a French or German shape. Mm -hmm. um, got a very thick, heavy heel. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I think people, you can argue that, so in, in Japan, I think you might have uh, more leafy vegetables, and whereas in, in Europe, you might have more root vegetables. Wow, okay. So, so depending on what you're cutting, uh, this is a very thick, heavy spine. I like that. And a thick heel, uh -huh. and so you can get into, you know, heavier root yeah. vegetables, um, whereas a thinner Japanese knife, you know, might might cut into. They probably wouldn't cut into so much of those root vegetables as they would maybe more leafy vegetables. That's interesting. So yeah, uh, and so the idea of having some kind of rivet—it's not probably very sharp at all—rivets versus some kind of glued-on hand. You know, that hidden handle. Yes. Is there an advantage to having something that so like that's a hidden hidden tang? No bolts, no rivets, right? Uh, the advantage, to be quite honest with you, is this is a, a commercially made and available product, so it's almost indestructible. Oh, good. Good yeah. to hear. Uh, <laughs> so you could put this in the dishwasher. I have. You could run your car over it. Yeah. Uh, and so they don't require a lot of care. So, so um, commercially available production knives don't require a lot of care. Even the big, the, the Henkel, the worst stuff, whatever the, the yeah. expense. The, what well, the maybe not they're that expensive, but they're the you know. Well, I mean, they're, no, they're, they're well known as being. Knives yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're indestructible. So oh. so they're they're made. I, don't, I like to use the term made to sell versus made to last. So these are made to sell and made so they can't be returned. Oh, I see. Yeah, so so the, you'll never return this knife because nothing can go wrong with it. Wow. Yeah. So whereas my knife, um, custom-made knives don't re uh, actually require more care. However, they perform considerably better. So so this is this is the you know the difference is this knife requires more care. You cannot put this in the dishwasher. You cannot run over it with, with the car. Right. Uh, but this, this knife is... And will it cut through leafy vegetables better than my knife? Absolutely. 
What? Yeah, absolutely. I can sharpen my knife to be as sharp as that knife, can I? Um, yeah, but it still won't cut as well because the way that it passes through food, it's too thick. Oh. Yeah, so, so you have several considerations besides sharpness. Um, but let, let me get back to your... your okay. This. Uh, so th this has rivets. Uh, it can't come apart. It won't. It's indestructible. Uh, and so it's good, good for selling because you'll never be able to return it. They'll never get it back. Mm -hmm. uh, but it won't perform very well. So it's, it's too thick. It's uh, too heavy. All right. And uh, even though you sharpen it, it won't be like a very keen edge. And it'll probably dull pretty quickly. And it just won't pass through food well. So th this knife has a much thinner, much harder edge, and it passes through food uh, much better. It also uh, will take a much, much keener, sharper edge. So you, and you'll feel that when you cut. So it, I mean, it really changes and enhances the way that you 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 know cook and prepare food and things like that. I borrow a line from a customer that I like. Uh, he said that I think you know cooking is part of the human experience and. Um, this is just, you know, a nice tool to enhance that experience, I think. Mm -hmm. So, uh, certainly nothing wrong with this knife. I mean, it will work, but um, it won't work as well. And probably without getting too technical, mm -hmm. what are the steel options? What, what do you make the blade out of? Okay, so uh, I favor uh, high carbon steels. And basically the addition of carbon in the steel, uh, once you harden it, uh, once you heat it up and quench it, it can become very hard. And uh, uh, it's superior to me in the sense that it takes a very, very keen edge, very, it's very, very sharp, and it's easy to sharpen. So you can get certain steels that uh, have high hardness and can get very sharp, but they're, they're difficult to sharpen. So that, actually that's the other thing about uh, this kind of steel that's commercially available. Um, they're not that friendly to sharpen well. They're not that friendly. It takes a while to sharpen versus uh, Japanese-style laminated steel kitchen knives. They're very easy to sharpen, and it's very friendly to sharpen. And, uh, um, but So I favor high-carbon steels. Uh, there are other uh, steels, uh, what are known as uh, powder metallurgy steels, um, formed or particle metallurgy steels. I, I started working with those in the last uh, eight months with, with great success. And in fact, these are both uh, what's by a German company called Zap, called Z-Ware, and these are powder metal energy steel. So these I will not forge. Oh. These will actually be stock removal. This is I purchased from a plate of steel. In fact, here's part of it left over. So I buy like a sheet of steel and cut out the, the, huh. the profiles. Um, and... Uh, so you have to grind those down and make the taper on the, the grind on that? That's You're, right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this steel is... Uh, an exceptional steel and it gets very very sharp and it holds its edge probably twice as well as other simple high carbon steels but it's expensive and it's hard to work with and it takes a lot of time to grind so there's always trade-offs right there's mm -hmm. always a trade-off there's no perfect steel uh, you know some 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 customers like uh, easy to sharpen some customers want edge retention some want a certain look so there, there's a range of, of uh, uh, options available in terms of steels, from simple high carbon steels to high alloy steels to stainless steels to uh, Damascus steels. I read about the Damascus and how pretty. I mean, they're yeah. all unique. Yeah, they're all very unique. Uh, there's other kinds of steels. What, what I like to work with is called a sumonagashi or uh, marbling, and basically it's a 
22 layer uh, steel um, that when you hammer it out, it gives you kind of a formed Damascus oh. look. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and it has a, has a high carbon core. So that's, these are my favorite steels to work with, is uh, uh, laminated high carbon steels. So when someone's going to go out and buy a chef's knife, yes. the worst offer, Henkel, might be $100 for yes. a chef's knife. I, I haven't priced that in a long mm -hmm. time. A custom knife, yes. similar length and style, would yes. be then? Uh, from me or just in general? Yeah. <laughs> the mean, range. Uh, you know, on the low end might be $300. Uh, for me, it might be in four or $500. And uh, certainly up to twelve hundred dollars. Uh huh. Yeah. And if you got it from a master smith, it might be fifteen hundred dollars. So now about your knives, you you did some folding knives, whatever they were called. I guess folding knives mm -hmm. is a term. And you went into kitchen knives now, yes. basically. Yes. And uh, so, what are the chef's knives or the Japanese term for that? The mm -hmm. gyoto. Gyoto, yes. Gyoto. Yes. Uh, is that kind of your main seller or ones you make most of or paring knives, boning knives? I mean, whatever someone wants. Um, so most people favor, again, my customers are chefs, professional users, enthusiasts, collectors. They prefer the larger knife and the knives are just getting larger and larger. Oh. Uh, and so this is a 240 millimeter, 9.44 inch. Uh, recently, uh, I delivered a 270 millimeter and a 285 millimeter, what's called a sujiiki, or like a protein slicing uh, knife. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I primarily make this Gyoto, uh, but I also make, um, you know, more, more for the home chef, kind of a little bit shorter, eight, eight and a half inch, uh, various petties. Um, when you say petties, what does that mean? Petite chef's knife in the seven, seven and a half inch. Uh, I'm what, what I like to call sort of a freestyle or spontaneous maker. And I know that my, my mentors and instructors would not be very happy because uh, uh, that, that's not what, how they work or would want me to work. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've embraced and accepted that that's, that's comfortable for me. So uh, I don't use a lot of patterns. Most, most people have like patterns that they've recorded. Um, I, I do a lot of freestyle work and I, I, I let things come to me and come out naturally and uh, that's usually been comfortable. But if somebody places an order with specifications and I, and I have you know orders for that, then I build to their specifications. I mean, this and is, how would they know if I, if I want a custom knife, I have no idea how wide I want it, you know, at the heel, yeah. how thick I want it on the spine. What kind of curve? I mean, I just don't really, I've never tried different knives. I wouldn't know. Is mm -hmm. there a, a way to yeah, help and, someone? And so I have those customers. Uh, recently, I have a, a woman who contacted me. She wants to get a knife for her husband for Father's Day. Perfect. Uh, uh, I think my, my dentist uh, said he wants a little bigger knife than the one what he had. So a lot of them don't have that knowledge or information. So I, I query a few questions. You know, what, what do you feel like you, you're comfortable with now? For, for example, you have this knife, so it's probably an 8-inch chef's eight inch, knife. Yep. Sure enough, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, standard for the home chef. And then, you know, mm -hmm. I'd ask you, would you like something longer? Do you feel comfortable with this size and shape? And so I can produce something accordingly from there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you cut? What do you like to work with? Uh, you know, just a, a few questions like that, and I can kind of zero in. 
so a lot of times people who don't have the knowledge about knives kind of have a budget in mind too, mm -hmm. uh, and they're you're you're used to the this price knife, so a little bit higher is is uh, you know new for them. So I try to work within that range. So you know, okay, let me make you a, you know this size knife for this. I think it would be comfortable for you. So, I did Google mm -hmm. uh, custom made knives, chef's knives, uh -huh. just this morning. And uh, your knives are very affordable yes. compared to other I custom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a great value. Yeah, yeah, we're cheap. I, I'm not uh, trying to get rich. Uh, um, I, I just want to get good knives in the hands of people who appreciate them. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of times makers say they, their knives become more artwork and uh, and. You know, as you get higher and higher, there's less population of buyers and that can afford them and have the means or excess cash to, you know, buy knives at that level. And, and uh, I think it's just, uh, I'd rather just make an honest living for a reasonable price and uh, try to get knives uh, that are better than this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'd like to go from made to sell to made to last. Okay. Uh, for a reasonable price. And, and that's what I try to do. Um, so... A lot of that is driven by a name recognition, of course, market demand, um, you know, get becoming known. Um, yeah. Is word of mouth referrals, has that been a lot for you or social media, Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so, so uh, I primarily started on, uh, uh, on Instagram. Um, most of my sales are through Instagram. Uh, it's my, my primary... Uh, media for, for showcasing my work, communicating. Uh, I don't really like to sell on a website. I have a website, um, but I don't, I didn't want to make merchandise and upload it and have anonymous people buy it. Uh, I prefer to have a relationship with my customer. I want to know who they are. I mean, I don't need to know all their personal information, but I, I want a little connection with the, the customer. I want to know who they are and, and, uh, have that, that little relationship, and that means that we talked about the purchase before or, or whatever. Um, when I ship a knife, every customer gets a personal note about their knife uh, for me, and uh, so I prefer that relationship rather than a lot of work uploaded to a website to be sold. So, you know, all my knives and work are, are guaranteed. I, I, I want happy customers, so uh, if you're not happy, you got my number, just call me, and, and we'll try to make it right. I'll take care of you. And that's, that's the other thing you don't get with no. Yeah, you know, a little bit of a relationship, the right service, and um, um, and a good quality product that's made to last. Well, thanks very much for speaking with me today. Yeah, it was a pleasure.